Welcome to Everyday Design, the podcast to empower and educate homeowners on how best to deliver your extension or renovation project to make sure the end result is perfect for your lifestyle, personality and taste. Today, we are talking about how to get the most out of the first and I think the most exciting stage of a project, the research and inspiration stage. First, let me introduce myself. I'm Abigail Hall, technical design expert and consultant to the construction industry. For almost 15 years, I've been delivering very high-end and complex new builds and historic renovations with some pretty hefty budget. I've also undertaken a fair number of my own renovation projects with much smaller and restricted budgets. I've become an expert on how you can use design to enhance your well-being and happiness in your home. And I want to share with you my knowledge, contacts and a few of the lessons I've learned along the way. Now, each week we talk to a different expert about their product or service so we can learn the technical jargon, the easy mistakes to avoid, the need to's, the nice to's and how to get the finish you want on time and in budget. And today it's brilliant because we have two experts and we're going to battle the realities of Skype. So I'm sure you'll be patient with us if there's a little bit of clicking as we move between it. These two both took their love of design research and inspiration and with it co-founded the phenomenal the homepage website. Now, Jessica Johnson and Rosalind Sack come to the design inspiration market with quite the pedigree. They've been in the print and digital media world for a combined 30 years, being journalists for and media consultants to the likes of the Sunday Times, Netta Porter and Matches, to name just a few. And if you recognise their names, that's because they've regularly appeared as experts on national TV and radio. I was fortunate enough to be introduced to this pair by fellow podcast alum Lucy Clayton of the exceptionally successful Dress Fancy podcast, who, when hearing my mission to empower people to design for their personality and lifestyle, not just imitate a generic coffee book interior, immediately connected to these experts. And I've been lucky enough to contribute a technical design article each month to the homepage website. So Jess, Ros, welcome to Everyday Design. Hello, thank you for Hello. having us. Thank, thank you for having us. I, 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 I'm, I'm so excited to have two experts. It's two for one. <laughs> no, you can live up to that. It's, not, it's even better. It, <laughs> it amplifies, it's greater than the sum. <laughs> now, obviously, I've, I've kind of bigged you guys up and, 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 and that was well worth it because truly the experience that you bring is just fantastic. And testament to that is the website. You actually don't, you don't need me to say anything about you. I could have just directed people to look at that and they would be able to tell the, the reach of your expertise and the number of contacts that you've got. But let's let's start with a bit of a, a story to remind us that we're all human. Can you guys tell me about a project which went wrong for you and what did you learn? Jess, you can kick this off. Okay. <laughs> um, now, I was having a think about this and I think that because I've never done a renovation project or anything like that, I actually bought my first home, which is the house that I live in now, five years ago and it was absolutely not the kind of house that I imagined I would ever buy because it is a new build. Um, I always had in my mind that we'd move into some lovely little cottage, um, you know, a lovely little period property with lots of lovely original features and that sort of thing. And oh, we, instead, we ended up buying a house which was literally a foot off the ground when when we bought it. Oh wow! Um, and so it was a it was a strange one because we had the plans. 
which we could see, but you couldn't actually visualize the space at all. So, you know, we only got to do that when the house was actually built and we were wearing hard hats, having a look around it. So we had to literally start from scratch with the house. It wasn't something whereby we could just sort of leave it for a, a while and, and layer things gradually. You know, it had no floors, it had no tiles, it had nothing at the windows at all it was literally a box yeah. and so we had to start from scratch and in, that was quite challenging for my first house it wasn't just sort of doing it room by room we had to do the whole thing and you know it was when was it 20 it was the end of 2014 which was kind of the height of the whole grey obsession um, <laughs> and bear in mind that I had just moved to the countryside in Buckinghamshire from southwest London um, so grey was quite big in my in my team so we have a grey carpet all the way through the house. We do have these lovely oak floorboards on the ground floor, but we have this grey carpet all the way through the house. We've got some grey tiles. I ordered a grey sofa and the, the effect was actually really quite oppressive when we yeah. first moved in. And I, I, I realised when a builder came in to, to have a look at some of the snagging and he said to me, did you move here from southwest London by any chance? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and I just, I just cringed at having become such a kind of cliche. And then I realised actually that in the process of trying to do what I thought was a stylish thing to do and was on trend and that kind of thing that actually it wasn't really me I was sort of box ticking and thinking this is what will look good rather yeah. than actually thinking what was going to make me feel good and so um, over the last few years I've been sort of gradually breaking up with grey and and uh, you know making the house feel a lot more like us so I would say that that was probably the the thing that went wrong, I was trying to subscribe to someone else's idea of what would look good rather than what made me feel good and what was going to be best for me and my family. Jess, that was that was absolutely brilliant. But I, when you retell that story in the future, please, can we can we learn from Gwyneth Paltrow? Could you maybe consciously uncouple from Grey? <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not against any colour, but it, yeah, I I'm, I hear you completely, and thank you so much. And even we've we've all been there. <laughs> Keeping a thought of this would look good in a magazine. Yeah, this this looks like that. That's fantastic. Exactly. And Roz, have you had the same thing? Uh, a sea of a sea of one colour. Well, we did have a sea of one colour actually, but that was not my design crime, as it were. Um, so I sort of similarly in that. So I moved to Berkshire from South East London um, about five or six years ago. We first rented a beautiful little cottage with beautiful flagstone floor and roses around the door, and it was oh, wow. gorgeous, the prettiest house I've ever lived in. But actually, I found that it was dark and I actually found it was too dark for me. There mm. were very small windows. It felt claustrophobic, which I never thought I would feel at all. But it really did sort of have an impact on me. And so the house that we ended up buying just up the road was actually it's a it's a not a very pretty house from the outside. It's a 1930s semi-detached, but it's on this big green with lots of mature trees on it. And it overlooks the green and it's light. And I love the house because it was full of light and it felt so completely different. 
and again, like Jess was saying, it's it was all about how it made me feel. So it wasn't the pretty picture book house, but it made me feel good because it was light and it had this greenery outside that it overlooked. But it was in an absolutely shocking state. I mean, absolutely shocking. It was revolting inside and that's not an exaggeration. So we uh, spruced it up a little bit in order to live in it for a couple of years. And then last year, actually, we moved out for six months and we completely renovated it. It was a very, very big project, a lot bigger than we probably anticipated when we bought the place. But it meant, again, we had to choose everything in one go because we did so much to it it needed completely rewiring so we were stripping it back right to its shell it was quite scary at times coming back and looking you know looking at this hollowed out shell and thinking oh god what have we done um so there were so many decisions to make and uh quite honestly by the end of it when it came to the pretty stuff that actually you're probably supposed to enjoy. I was just so tired of making decisions. I had full on design fatigue. And so when it came to choosing paint colors, I just I just couldn't be bothered anymore, quite honestly. Um, I wasn't gonna buy paint samples and paint things on the walls. I just didn't have the time or the energy or the inclination by that point to do it. I was also planning a wedding at that point and had a baby. So, you know. Oh, wow. I mean, it's a trifecta. Yeah. It yes. wasn't ideal timing. But, you know, these things come to test it. So, so the long and short of it is that I chose this colour for our bedroom, which on the, the colour chart looked like this beautiful, soft, sort of lilac-y, lovely colour. Yeah. In reality, on the walls, it was this horrible sort of sickly Palmer violet, nasty, nasty purple, which I thought if I wake up to that, I'm going to feel, you know, like I've got a hangover. So I immediately had to say to the decorator, I'm really sorry, I've made a massive mistake here. And um, we painted over it straight away with Farron Ball's Borrowed Lights, actually a lovely pale blue colour, which I, I now love. But it was, you know, it wasn't the end of the world. And I think that's the thing about a lot of these things when you make mistakes. Yes, obviously, you're going to have to take the hit if it means you're buying new paint to paint over it. But if that is, you know, paint's not the most expensive thing. If you are going to make a mistake, you've made a mistake. At least you've tried, you know, at least you've been a bit daring. At least you've you've gone off white or, or grey or whatever. Um, and if it goes wrong, then you just paint over it. So, yeah, it was a bit annoying, but it wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't the end of the world. And as you say, the, the cost impact of it, I'm sure your decorator rolled his eyes, but aside oh, yeah. from that, <laughs> yes. you know, another two and a half litres of paint isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to kill anyone. But I agree with you. And I think what you were, you were very um, astute there to recognise is that you'd, you'd reach that level of design fatigue. And like anything in life, when you've got to that point, no one makes good decisions at that point. No. So if you've got to the point of design fatigue and someone is pressuring you to finalise the kitchen or buy buy the, the bathroom, the things that aren't so easy to redo, actually it's worth time to taking a break and say, no, get, I need to take stock and have a moment um, and either put something in that's very easy to change later um, or I say take that break. So that's an absolutely brilliant example. Thank you. And I trust I trust the whole house is done now, six months on. Well, I mean, <laughs> the building is up and standing. It's you know from the inside, it's 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 built. We still the front garden looks a bit like a building site. We haven't finished the porch cladding. 
We've got no patio at the back. That's just a bit of a wasteland. <laughs> we have no wardrobes. We have no bookshelves. But the other thing I wanted to say is that you can't do it all in one go. That's just unachievable. And the beauty of having a house that you are going to be in, and we are hopefully going to be in this house for a long time, is that you can sort of take your time over it. And that's when you get a home that is right for you, that reflects your personality and that you really love rather than trying to do it all in one fell swoop and, and uh, you know, getting stuff that isn't actually stuff that you really love. Which is exactly where I went wrong, trying to do it all in one go. And then actually the end result was this isn't me at all. Amazing, Roz. You've done a brilliant job with it. And it looks, um, yeah, it's gorgeous and totally you as well. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and, it, and it is an evolution. It's the idea. Imagine if uh, for some reason we lost all of our clothes and someone said, right, OK, tomorrow you can go out and you can buy your entire wardrobe over again but you only have an opportunity to do it and you're never going to add to it well you wouldn't of course it's an evolution and that's exactly what homes are and actually there's a wonderful podcast which is uh, hopefully by the time this is released it will be out it's with our quantity surveyor Millie Lucas and she talks about when costing a project when you're going through the process of value engineering which is cutting your costs normally to bring it in budget there are some things that you have to pay for. So the structural, the wiring, your windows. And you're absolutely right. Some of those later things, some of the joinery, the bookcases, for example, as you just mentioned there, Roz, mm. they, they can wait. And often the design is, is more evolved and more elegant because you have waited. So I know it's disappointing when you hope that your budget will stretch to do absolutely everything and it doesn't. And that's mm. the builds. But look on the bright side, it does normally mean that you end up in a home that you are much happier with and does reflect you, which is what we're trying to achieve. Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, listen, I, you both technically had fails, but I've got to say you <laughs> out of them pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, um, I'll, 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 next time I'll have you guys on. I'll make you work harder. Now, in your working world, you're seeing hundreds of images of interiors on a daily basis. So, so tell me, what makes an interior stand out to you and why? And Jess, I'm making you go first again. Okay, all right. Um, well, I mean, we feature all sorts of different homes on the homepage, and that was really one of the central things for us when we started. We wanted to make sure that we weren't just featuring one kind of home. And so you'll see lots of different styles of house and property, but I think the thread that unites them all is that they each have a personality and they they really tell the stories of the people who live in them. And so Ros and I instinctively will know whether something is a homepage home or not. And I think without even a discussion, we've never, ever had a disagreement on whether something was right for the site or not. And I think that that is, you know, whether something has, is you know, whether it's a hundreds of years old or whether it's a new build the interiors have usually always been created over over a period of time whether that's um, a few years or many many years but the layers are what you know what really bring that personality in rather than it being this sort of perfect ready-made space and there's usually some intriguing detail in there which will kind of capture our eye um, and and that's usually I think the the way in for us. Definitely. It's those sort of creative touches. Jess said it there. It's the personality. It's the creative touches that show, give a hint to who's living there, basically. So 
it could be a furniture that's been personalized in some way. So we, we featured the home of um, block printmaker Molly Marne. She's got this stone fire surround that she's painted in a Bloomsbury style, which looks amazing. You'd ne you know, you wouldn't find that anywhere else. There's designer Matilda Goad. She's got a brilliant scallop backsplash that she designed and had made for her kitchen that, again, you just wouldn't buy anywhere else. It just shows her personality. We did a feature with Joa Studhome from um, Farrow and Ball, who is like the main dude at Baron Ball. She just yeah. just creates these incredible colours. What she doesn't know about colour is not worth knowing. And she paints the inside of her kitchen window around the wall section on the inside in a really bright colour. And it just looks incredible. It's such a quick and easy uh, way to sort of change the space. She says she has enough in one little tester pot to do it. And she knows that it takes her something like 40 minutes and she changes it, you know, with the seasons. And it's just those little touches that give a clue as to the person who's living there. It's not just that you can look around and go, oh, well, that lamp is from that place and that sofa is from that place. You know, it's, it's intriguing and it's uh, unique. I love that. Intriguing and unique. And, and I know each of those interiors that you've mentioned. I know them from the articles that have been written on the homepage. And I agree with you completely. I don't know those characters, but I get a sense of their personalities from their interiors. And I've got to say, I'd love, I'd love to meet all of them because they are all an inspiration to me. And I am going to be mean now because I feel like I'm, I'm going to make you pick. Um, <laughs> quite the same as picking a favourite child but if you had to pick which of your the homes you've covered which would be your favourite? I would say it's, it's Jess here um, I would say that my favourite um, has been a home that we shot last summer which belongs to a Norwegian woman called Katrin Tjør and her British husband Simon and they they run a, a wonderful little Scandinavian cafe um, nearby um, called Norse but they bought this pretty unremarkable bungalow I think seven or eight years ago and they have converted it into the most incredible home that it just looks like it's always been that way they they added an extra floor on the top they've extended it they've even built a beautiful Scandinavian summer house in the garden which started life as it was going to be a garage but then it kind of gradually evolved into this fantastic Scandinavian Love summer it. but the they were so clever with the design of the extension that um, it looks like it was always built that way. And so they've got loads of wonderful tongue and groove. They've got exposed beams. And it's this fantastic combination of her Scandinavian heritage and that, that very particular Scandi look, which is combined with her husband's kind of more British style sensibility with more colour and the combination is just fantastic. Um, and then they've also, they absolutely love music. Um, and so they've got loads of fantastic um, original album covers, wonderful music artwork around the house. And it just, it's just got so much personality. And then they also had this fantastic story as well. The story of that house was really moving. Catherine had had cancer. And the long and the short of it was that um, it looked like she and her husband were going to end up separating. And then, in fact, it was the house that actually brought them back together again because it, it wasn't finished. It was this sort of job which hadn't hadn't been completed and they knew that they wanted to finish it. And they came back together to finish the house and ultimately it brought them back together again, which was incredibly moving. And I think it really 
demonstrated to me exactly what the homepage is all about. It's about that a home is so much more than just bricks and mortar and somewhere for you to lay your head or somewhere for you to style up to look beautiful for Instagram. It's actually part of your family and it can really be the glue. And if you get it right, it is the glue and, and something which is very, very bonding for, for your family. So for me, that was that was um, a very, very special home. Oh, and I'm going to revisit that article because to just be reminded exactly of that, Yes, you're inspired looking at the interiors, but it's become their sanctum sanctorum. It's their safe space. And as you say, a representation of what they've been through and how strong they are now. And as much as an outside observer can look at it and go, that's so special, it will resonate with them and bring them so much happiness. And that's what we're all looking to do, isn't it? So, oh, thank you so much, Jess. Ros, Ros, you obviously already mentioned a few, but if I had to push you to say one... Well, it is a little bit like, you know, choosing favourite children here. You're a little bit, Abby. So I actually have two, um, one for the story and one for the pure aesthetic. So like what Jess was saying, actually, uh, Molly Marn, uh, the block printmaker, she said that she actually does consider her house to be part of the family. She calls it her perfectly imperfect home. Um, it's in yeah. And it's such a colourful, vibrant, happy, welcoming space. And it absolutely sings with her personality at every turn and again similarly she she was ill uh, some years ago and she just found that her home was her absolute sanctuary and you can just tell that it's such an important space for her and her family and you know that story and that warmth is it just sings through every design every element in her home it's, it's beautiful from an absolute you know from a pure aesthetic point of view uh, we featured the home of designer Tom Raffield, who designs lighting and furniture and steam bent wood. It's a self-built wooden house sort of nestled into the forest in Cornwall. And it is yeah. absolutely my dream home. It is sculptural and modern, yet it sort of follows the lines of the hillside. And it sits so comfortably in this little plot. There's lots of beautiful bare wood. Uh, nearly all of it has come from the site itself. There's lots of stone and concrete. And it has this just sort of otherworldly quality to it. So there was originally a listed stone gameskeeper cottage that they that they owned and lived in. And they built this the new part of the house, which is sort of linked to the original house with this little glass walkway. And again, it's just so sympathetic to its surroundings. It looks like it was always meant to be like that. It's just absolutely stunningly beautiful. I would be a very happy person waking up there every day. So that's kind of on your vision board. That's the the dream, the dream house. <laughs> Honestly, it's gorgeous. Check yeah. it out. Beautiful. Um, and all of the interiors that we've just mentioned and the links to the articles from the homepage will be in the show notes. So if anyone's listening and thinking, oh my gosh, I absolutely have to see that, just <laughs> click, click on through there and we'll find them. Now, over the course of your work, I'm interested to know, and you've kind of alluded to it already, um, have your interior stylings tastes changed so I I'm Jess I'm going to come to you first because you talked about that the the grey where mm. you when you first bought the house but tell me about how your taste has evolved yes I think that yeah I, I definitely was really really into the whole Scandi look when it when it came out and I, I do have some Scandinavian heritage anyway so my my grandfather used to have a um, an amazing Swedish glass company years ago and so I grew up 
you know, surrounded by a lot of that sort of um, look. And um, they, he had this amazing chandelier, which was made out of wrought iron and these great big fat discs of, of Swedish glass. So that's always been something that has been there for me anyway. But obviously, then when it kind of really became a big trend, that that definitely influenced me quite a lot. But I, I grew out of it, uh, frankly, you know, and I, I, um, I have really found that during the time of us um, running the homepage and seeing the kind of the colour and the vibrancy of so many of the homes that we featured, I've definitely learned to reconnect with my my love of colour. Um, and I'm 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 able to sort of see that I've got a thread of of, of a colour palette running through my home now, which has just evolved over the last few years. So you know, that sort of watery aqua greeny blue is definitely a colour which I come back to time and again. Um, I also love pink. So any kind of plaster pink, I absolutely love. And I love blues as well. So those are the, definitely the colours that, you know, completely unintentionally, really, they they appear again and again in my home. And they just make all of us feel really happy. And luckily, my husband is really on board with pink. So that's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say that print and colour definitely feature a lot more. And that's that's really been in the last couple of years, really, since we've been running the homepage. And of course, we're just inspired by so many of the beautiful um, brands that we come across. And, um, you know, that that's definitely filtered down in, into my home. Wonderful. And Ros, same evolution or, or has your style remained the same? I think it's difficult to say whether it's remained the same or whether I just feel more confident and comfortable within my own style. I think that's certainly something that I've learned is that you are creating a home for you and your family. You're not creating a home for anybody else. It's for you and for you to feel good about where you are and, and, and where you come back to at the end of a long, busy day or not at the moment because you're here all the time. But um, So I guess I've I've sort of become more comfortable in, in my own you know in my own choices and and more able to say well I I I know that that's not necessarily the the color of kitchen that everybody's putting on Instagram at the moment but that makes me feel good and 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 that's enough you know that's enough for me so it's it's almost just having that confidence to say this is me this is my style and and you know it's not necessarily going to be on the pages of of the glossy magazines but this is what makes me feel comfortable and also uh, another thing that we talk about a lot on the homepage is is sustainability and a lot of what I have learned is slowing down again we talked about this earlier slowing down and, and filling your space gradually rather than sort of saying I need a lamp there and buying it immediately and, and it not really being something that you love but is something that you know fills the gap at that particular moment just slowing down and going actually I'm going to wait until I find a lamp that I really really love and then put it in that space therefore you're going to hold on to it for a lot longer it's not this sort of quick fix that you'll probably you know take to the charity shop in a couple of years because you then do find something you love so that's something that I've probably learned since uh since setting up the homepage as well and um, we, we forget how we when we buy something cheaply as you say that quick fit you forget not only the impact that that's having on the environment although I'm sure it's the back of a lot of our minds 
we forget how much we're actually spending on those things. Mm, absolutely. Like a 30 quid lamp versus a 300 quid lamp, well, yeah, 10 times the price. But actually, how many little 30 quid things have you bought that have ended up at the back of the cupboard or you're down the charity shop? And it is buying more wisely. I, I completely agree with you. And I know that's very difficult. If you haven't got the 300 pounds, you haven't got it, full stop. But putting something there that you don't love, why would you have that? Why would you have that in your life? You, you deserve something that you really resonate with. Mm. In fact, one of the really beautiful homes that we we featured on the homepage um, was the home of Mark Wynn Stanley, who's the creative director of the White Company. And he he was wonderful about this. He, they, they moved down to Lewis in East Sussex, he and his family. And his home, as you can imagine, is utterly beautiful. Um, he, is, he is very, very good at at making sure that he's only putting things in a certain room or in a certain place that he wants to have and wants to love and live with. And, you know, so he has a very clear idea that there's a particular piece of furniture that he wants for his sitting room, I remember him telling me about, mm. but he's not just going to go out and get anything just to fill the space. If that, that space will just stay as it is until he finds the exact piece um and then he said that there have also been times before they moved to this house I think he'd been to some salvage yard or something a reclamation yard and it had seen this incredible mirror and there wasn't anywhere for it to go in his current home but he knew he had to have it he knew that one day it would find its place and as soon as they moved into the house in Lewis he found the perfect place for it and it fitted it was millimeter perfect in the space mm -hmm he found for it and it really was a sort of meant to be thing so I do think that you know instinct comes into this not actually and trusting your instinct and if something really resonates with you and you love it then you know not to sort of encourage people to just sort of spend recklessly but I think if you do see something that you just think this is going to really really bother me if I don't have it then I, I really do think you you should because then it's going to bring you pleasure for years to come but it, all, it also doesn't have to be something that's expensive I bought a plate yeah. on eBay the other day this beautiful beautiful plate that I have hung up in my kitchen and it cost me I think it cost me about 15 pounds you know really inexpensive but I absolutely love it I've never seen anything like it and it just makes me smile every time I walk into the kitchen mm. so it doesn't necessarily have to be something expensive it might be just something that you stumble across in a charity shop or you stumble across at an antiques market or you stumble across on eBay but it's something that's different and unique and just makes you smile and and those are things that I think are worth holding out for that absolutely I couldn't agree more and I want a photo of that plate <laughs> I'll send you yeah. it can we have it so ladies when you do your own projects what's your process um, how do you filter all that inspiration to get the detail or product which is absolutely right for you well again sort of coming back to what we were saying earlier I've, I've learned to always come back to my gut instinct and generally I'll I'll see something and have an instant reaction to it and then I'll flirt with a load of other ideas and then inevitably come back to my first idea. So I've decided to stop wasting time <laughs> with all the flirtation and just go with the go with the gut instinct. Yeah. And so then once I've decided on maybe a colour palette or a style, I'll research like crazy to make sure that I've found the best 
possible version of of that for that I can afford for my budget so for example I've just recently had this um beautiful ottoman made for my sitting room which I've been sort of campaigning for with my husband for the last few years uh, we had this tiny little footstool that we'd always end up sort of bickering over exactly and I wanted to have a lovely big um, comfortable ottoman that we could both put our feet up on and you know you know, I, I have this yeah. idea, lovely coffee table books on it and things. And of course, the reality is, is that I've got two children and a puppy sprawled on it instead. But I think that I, I, I just couldn't see what I wanted from any of the main brands. And actually, through Instagram, I found this upholsterer called Victoria Williams, who's based in Cornwall. Yeah. And I just loved her work. I just thought it looked fantastic. And I got in touch with her and she was so incredibly helpful. And first of all, she asked me to send her a few pictures of my room and what my sort of what my thought was for the for the colour. And actually, I realised that I'd started adding some new pictures to my sitting room, which had had that kind of lovely um, verdigris kind of green yeah. colour and I thought actually that would really lift the room it would kind of add a nice little punch of colour and so she was able to to recommend some fabrics to me so I went and researched those and then I also wanted to kind of personalise it and, and make it a bit more individual and so I I looked for some pattern and print and you know another shout out to Molly Marne um I went to Molly and and saw that she had this beautiful printed fabric which I thought would look fantastic as a trim on it and anyway so you know I I, I researched lots of different fabrics but I came back to the to my my first choice and it has worked so well and it's amazing to have something which has been you know completely made for us it's exactly the dimensions that we wanted everything from the legs to you know to the to the fabric on the trim is exactly what we want and that has made a real difference actually because we're not just having to live with something which isn't quite right it's exactly right but and I that think also, and that's good it also reminds us that as much as we're doing a lot of the research on our own because we've got an idea and we're, we're researching when you reach out and speak to the likes of Victoria Williams their expertise is out there so they can help nudge and guide and enhance that research stage, perhaps in the direction you have found, or perhaps in a new direction. So, yeah, absolutely. And she and she introduced me to a new fabric brand, which I didn't know before, called Linwood. And so I've got this beautiful mm. Linwood fabric mm. on the top, which was actually not very expensive, but it looks fantastic. So yeah, so that was great. A second shout out to Linwood because I think of all fabric companies, they're one of the best. That if you order samples from them, you don't need to have a trade account. Um, they'll send you samples and in the most beautiful packaging. Yeah, exactly well, I love it. It's such a joy to get all the all such a joy to receive Linwood fabric. So double shout out there. <laughs> and okay, I'm demanding photos of everything. We need photos of <laughs> Ros, what would you say? Well, it's interesting that you say that because actually you are right. Um, and, and Jess is absolutely right. It's all about instinct. But at the same time, I think often you are guided by the space that you have. And so when it comes to filtering inspiration, because there is so much and it's so easy to get lost down this sort of rabbit hole of just looking at endless, beautiful pictures that you sort of almost get overwhelmed and end up questioning your own taste and then diluting what it is that you really love. But often the space that you have will dictate what is right for you in, in that in that place anyway. So I wanted to talk about my kitchen, um, which we 
designed probably two years before it actually was fitted and long before we had found a builder to actually do the renovation work for our house so we were designing it to plans <laughs> and for you know for various reasons actually the build happened a bit later on than than was initially planned so when it came to it I almost I very very nearly completely changed the design of it I had a massive wobble thinking I don't think this is right for me so we went for really modern cabinetry in Farrumball Elephant's Breath. So a really lovely sort of neutral colour, but it's got this beautiful sort of lilac-y depth to it. It's lovely. Mm. But I had been, in the meantime, between designing it and actually starting the building work, I'd been looking at all these gorgeous sort of devolved kitchens that were in these lovely inky blues and, you know, deep greens. And I just thought, I've made a massive mistake. That's what I want. But I actually came to realise that those were kitchens in often shot in these beautiful you know lofty rooms with these period details with you know infinitely large proportions and you know my kitchen isn't that and my kitchen you know it isn't that but it was it was quite a dark space it doesn't have particularly high ceilings and actually I think if I'd have gone for those dark colors it would have really sort of felt a bit sort of heavy and and, and not right for what I liked so again I just came back to what I had designed in the very first instance, you know, those colours, the lightness, the wood, we've got you know, some oak details in there and greenery. And so it's about instinct, but it's also about your space. And often your space will tell you what it wants. And that is a really, Rose, that's a, a brilliant example. And I love that that process that you've gone through, that you even question yourself and then come back to it. And at the research stage, when you're getting your, you're looking at the homepage and you're looking at Pinterest and all the other sources, you might find that you have some of those photos of those beautiful, huge three and a half, four metre ceilings with architectural plaster, original coving and something that's really in juxtaposition. And you love that. But if that's not the architecture that you're working within, actually are you going to achieve that look are you going to achieve that energy that you're getting from the picture and it's good to question it it's good and sometimes to go I love that but that's not where I live yeah but I do also think that if you're somebody who's feeling I feel so overwhelmed I don't know what I like I don't know what to choose one of the easiest ways to work out what it is that you actually like is have a look on if you're on Instagram have a look through your saved images and I guarantee that you will see a theme. You will guarantee that you will see that there is a common thread running through them, which will tell you, even if that particular property that it's featured in is nothing like yours, it will definitely hint at elements that you could inject into yours. So whether it's the color palette or whether it's a certain um, texture or style or something like that, you'll definitely see something there which will tell you precisely what your style is all about I think if you're somebody whose saved images are all light and bright and airy you're just not going to feel right having a a dark space that's just not going to suit you at all so I, I do think that subconsciously you'll have been collating things in your taste anyway. Sorry I also think that if possible and it's not always possible but if possible go into spaces that are you know, go into a showroom, for example, obviously you can't at the moment, but when when that's open and available to us again, be in those spaces, be in spaces that have really dark colours in them. And does it make you feel lovely? Do they feel cosy? Do they feel warm? Or do they actually lower your mood a little bit? Being in those spaces and, and, and sort of 
seeing how they make you feel if that's possible for you to do gives you a good indication of of the reaction that you're going to have to it it's really really good advice and remember this is we're talking about the research stage this is a stage where you get to play around you get to be a different character and go could I could I be a person in this space is this me and that's what the showrooms are there for and hopefully we're just we're recording this in June of 2020 so we are currently still partially in lockdown but hopefully our listeners will be in a position to be able to go to these showrooms and that's what they are there for that's why retail I hope from an interior sense will never die because the desire to go into these spaces and have a prod around is is incredibly important definitely um now I think I'm gonna pretty much ask you more at this point to summarize because I think you've given some great advice but what advice would you give to someone in the planning and research stage of a project and they're doing it right now what one piece of advice would you give Jess what do you think I would say that at the planning stage think beyond the here and now I think it's very very easy to say for example if you've got very young children it can feel absolutely all-encompassing when you're when you've got babies and toddlers and you it's difficult to imagine beyond that stage but I I really really suggest that you try to um, because before you know it you're going to have tween age children and then teenage children and you want to make sure that that space is going to continue to work and evolve with your family um, so that sweet little cute playroom which you've seen all over Instagram or Pinterest, which you thought was so sweet, you know, is that going to work for you uh, when your children are that little bit older? You know, is it going to work for them when they're teenagers? You don't want to be in a situation where the money that you've invested in that renovation, actually you find that those particular details become obsolete quite quickly. Um, So one of the things which I have really liked in some of the, it's advice that we've I've read before, you know, that we featured on the homepage has been, you know, if you're buying things for your children, don't buy children's furniture, actually go for adult furniture. And then it's something which actually will grow with them. And they can have maybe even when they leave home, it's something that they can they can have. And then it won't, it won't suddenly feel babyish to them so I'd, I'd say just sort of think beyond the here and now when you're when you're at the planning stage. That's fantastic advice and that also sits with the piece we were talking about earlier related to sustainability not buying things and then just throwing them away and of course a lovely piece of furniture could be reupholstered over and over again so it absolutely. has got longevity that's yeah absolutely great advice. Ros, what would you say? I would say get the bones right as, as long as you have, you know, the bones of your house right and solid, and obviously, Abby, you give great advice on, do, on doing this. As long as you've got those bits sound and solid, then all the other things, you know, you can change over time. Take your time. You don't have to completely redo an entire room from, from scratch. You know, as long as you've got the things that are going to cost money, as long as you've got those right, you can reupholster a sofa later. You can hang different curtains later. You can put a different light shades up later. But the bones include things like where you're going to put your light fittings, where you're going to put 
the, the type of doors that you're going to have, the type of windows that you're going to have, the things that cost money and you can't change. Those are the important things to get right in the in the here and now. And then everything else, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if it's, you know, if it's too expensive, quite frankly, as we've found, you know, you can't do it all at once. So take your time over it. And, th- and that way you can enjoy it as well, rather than feeling stressed and overwhelmed that you've got to get everything right immediately. Yeah, I, I love that. And I know it, when I ran a design practice, I had two cycles of the year when everyone was panicking. It was Christmas and summer. Everyone wanted their house finished for Christmas or they wanted their house finished for summer. But the reality is our homes are, it is the fourth road bridge. It never really quite finishes. I understand habitable. I understand having a working loo or an oven, you know, that's kind of plumbed into the gas. But yeah, it's, putting this stress on yourself when it should be an enjoyable process. And again, I think that again speaks to this idea of this pressure that we put on ourselves that everything needs to be perfect. And you see it time and time again when Christmas starts rolling around and the Christmas ads start in, you know, October, you you see that people are feeling that pressure to again put on the perfect Christmas. And that includes your home being perfect. Mm. But actually it doesn't matter if the downstairs loo hasn't been redecorated or, you know, you didn't get round to ordering that new sofa in time. The importance is that it, it's how that space is going to make you feel. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes actually, you know, it's that it's back to that sort of wabi-sabi idea, you know, with, with design that things don't need to be perfect to work well. And, and so I think that we, that's something that we we really try to get away from on, on the homepage. We, we like to celebrate those little elements of imperfection because they make it a human space. They make it something which feels welcoming. And, and I think that that is also one of the key things that we were really thinking about when we, when we launched the homepage was that so many of the homes that we saw featured in interiors magazines just felt so well, they were so beautiful and so perfect that you almost couldn't imagine being in that space you sort of thought that actually by walking into that room you'd be making a mess of it and we wanted to feature homes that felt welcoming that you could walk in and plonk yourself on the sofa with a nice cup of tea or a glass of wine Exactly. And it, it, it gave you that feeling yeah. and so I think that that's that's important we don't need to focus too much we don't need to focus on perfection. That just adds pressure. You know, you want your home to feel welcoming and accepting. And who's to say what's perfect anyway? Exactly. Exactly. Who is to say what's perfect? <laughs> you live in it. No one else does. And if you want to lie on your sofa when you're hungover, in your pants, drinking tea okay. and biscuits. <laughs> I jolly well will. I really want what I said. My sofa is exactly the perfect length for me to do that. <laughs> perfect. Um, now, uh, I know the homepage is more than just what we've described. So what else does the homepage do? And where can we find out more about the two of you um, and the homepage? So I suppose we ought to tell you where you can find the homepage. So we are thehomepage.co.uk. So we are an online homes and lifestyle magazine. We also uh, produce a fortnightly newsletter. Um, so do sign up to that because there's, you know, there's things in that that aren't on the website. And we do love our subscribers and we do try to treat them to extra things as and when we can. So subscribe, that's free to subscribe. Um, and you can do that at thehomepage.co.uk forward slash newsletter. We also run a content consultancy arm to the business. So we produce branded content for 
um, creative businesses linked to the home. So it very much working with brands to find their voice. So brands that may have absolutely beautiful imagery and incredible aesthetics, but perhaps haven't nailed their sort of unique and personal voice. We help them to understand what that is, to create that and to perhaps write content for them, whether that's blogs or brochures or books or, or whatever it might be that they need help with. Um, and again, it's it's working with brands that we would feature on the magazine anyway. So there's a real sort of link between the two sides of the business. And we do that. So we if, if there's anybody that, that feels like they don't have the time or, or they don't know really know where to start um, when it comes to creating content for their business, we would be very happy to have a chat with you. And I think that's really important because I think there's loads and loads of brilliant companies out there that we we sometimes stumble upon, be it on Instagram or even just walking down a street and seeing a you know beautiful little retail shop. And not everyone, everyone that we resonate with has got that same mission, but it's quite difficult sometimes to get that out there, find the audience that we have here on Everyday Design and you have at the homepage who are really wanting to make the best of their own projects. And I think that, that ability, the expertise that you guys have in connecting is so worthwhile. I think it's just like a home. Every, you know, every one has their own unique story to tell. And, and that's what we are all about. We're about storytelling and, and, you know, identifying what it is that is unique about you, either you and your home or you and your business. Those are the stories that, that really resonate and that people connect with. And, and often, you know, they get sort of lost or forgotten or pushed down the to-do list. And yeah, that's what we like to do. I mean, and ultimately that's, that's Ros and, and my background, you know, as, as journalists, first and foremost, our careers have been spent telling people stories and it's um, it's a real honour to be able to do that so I think that we're good at listening and interpreting what these brands tell us so that we can help them tell their story in a really engaging way which really then resonates with with their customers and feels authentic to them too. Thank you so much Roz and Jess for for telling me your story in part. <laughs> for more information on today's show, any links we've mentioned, or to find other episodes, please go to our website, eddpodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at eddpodcast. And please subscribe and rate this podcast as it helps other homeowners learn how to design their happiness. Thank you for listening. I've been Abigail Hall, and this has been Everyday Design. <laughs>